Welcome, everyone, to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And on this week's episode, we welcome EJ Carrion, who is the CEO and founder of Student Success Agency. EJ has been working for over a decade now since he graduated college and trying to revolutionize what mentoring and outside school support can look like. His student success agency talks about, uh, they try to envision a future where any student anywhere can access the support they need at any time. So if they need a mentor just to talk to, they can access it. If they need college advice, they can access it. If they need tutoring, they can access help. We talk about a really cool story where this virtual mentor, I don't know if I'm saying it right. We call them agents. It's one thing that I really love that he talks about that I'll let him dive into as we stop thinking about, um, the kids that they're serving as having just mentors, but they have agents for success to help them with success in life. It's really neat. And he talked about how uh, one kid uh, needed a ride home from a tough situation and they reached out to their mentor and their mentor took care of them to make sure they got home safely. And uh, we talk about how those mentors are helping feed really good insight and information back to the counselors to help them better serve the students and help the teachers better serve their students. What, what EJ is doing, I think is remarkable. I think, um, it's something definitely needed now. I think it's been needed for a long time and that's why him and his organization have been working on it. But I definitely think now is the time where this gets really interesting and, You'll hear some of the facts he talks about, about the amount of out of school time they help support kids is incredible. Um, it's a great conversation. EJ is really interesting himself. He, from college, right out of college, he wrote a really great book about how to accelerate student success. So we dive into some of his theories there about how do we help kids reignite their purpose? How do we help kids uh, become more curious individuals? And we dive into what he's trying to do with the student success agency. Uh, he's a remarkable person with a lot of passion. This conversation is really interesting and it's one I think you'll enjoy. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. If you know someone, as you listen to them, most of this conversation is focused more at the middle school and high school level, but I don't want to limit there. But as you listen, if you think there's an educator that you know that needs to know who uh, EJ is and needs to know what their organization is about, please send this podcast to them because uh, EJ is someone out there who's genuinely just trying to help people and change the world. So as always, if you're a subscriber, thank you so much for your support. We are very blessed to support to have your support. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please hit the subscribe subscribe, ah, subscribe button. We uh, are just trying to continue to grow our impact with everybody. So thank you and enjoy this conversation. So EJ, thanks for making time for to be here with us today. I'm excited to talk to you. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, we start off every podcast with the same question. Who are you and what do you love about what you do? Yes, uh, I am a education entrepreneur who creates equity-based um, solutions, thinking through software and tech, and how we could equalize uh, the playing field for more Americans and and people. So my current day job is the CEO of Student Success Agency. Uh, we're a digital student support service platform that helps school districts expand learning uh, by providing support services anywhere, anytime from students' electronic devices. Now, with the pandemic and all this, it sounds like this is a new idea. We've been doing this since 2012. I like to say I've been doing this since Skype was cool. And so... Um, um, it's, it's just really exciting to be able to be on podcasts like this, um, be in rooms um, discussing how do we meet uh, kids, especially where kids are today uh, on their yeah. phone. So I'm, I'm curious before I dive into, you know, how you developed into a social entrepreneur, one word I wasn't expecting to hear today was Skype. So thanks for that drop. <laughs> um, 
I'm curious about your journey. Tell me about, you know, for to be that specific on your passion and that specific on your purpose. What is it about your childhood upbringing, you know, high school, college and beyond that has led you to this moment? Yeah, I, I, I um, I, I don't know where the bug came from, but I would have to probably go all the way back to, you know, my mom, you know, uh, my mom was one of those moms where I never knew who was in our house. Like one day, somebody that she met at the grocery store would be staying over, you know, helping out a friend. My, my brother, you know, me always had extra friends stay with us for long periods of time. And it just always felt natural, like helping out other people. And so I would definitely think like that kind of help and compassion, but as a first generation college kid and the first in my family to go to school, I won the Bill Gates scholarship. So I think a lot of what also kind of gave me this, like how you make the world better was like, man, some old white guy who never doesn't know who I am gave me a full ride scholarship. Like, you know, doesn't like change my life. And like, yep. it was just like, wow. Like that is like, that felt like I, now I needed to do something in this space. And, um, you know, I, I became a journalist major in, at the university of Oklahoma was doing teach for America as an internship, got accepted to be a core member, but yeah. I thought of this idea and I just said, you know what, let me, let me try this idea. And I can always go back to, to I can always go into the classroom if it doesn't work out. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the, um, the connection of, of, I just feel like wanting to make a, a change in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, I think early on, so instead of going to teaching, you, you decided to be an author and really go after the hearts and minds of students. And so I don't know how, you know, I guess it was like 21. You said when you wrote your book, how yes. did you decide to become an author? And then how did you decide on the topic that you wrote about? Yeah. So uh, my book was called Accelerate Your Success, uh, How to Create a Future and Stand Out When College uh, is Not Enough. And yep. a, a little bit between there was I was super involved in school, uh, similar to many educators and and, and people who are, are leaders. And I saw motivational speakers all the time. And when I saw my first motivational speaker, I was like, man, this is the coolest job ever. You get paid to run around stage and like talk. And so like, that was my current and like the technology and like all that piece was, wasn't the first aha. It was, wow, I want to be a speaker. And so the writing the book was, you know, again, I was 21, you know, relatively average kid in America didn't have this crazy story, but it was like, how can I um, create some social credibility? And so I ended up like kind of writing a book about being a first generation college student. That was something I was a successful at in the sense of I didn't graduate in the top 25%. When I took the ACT my junior year, my eighth grade brother got a higher score than me. I was one of those classic overbooked if you know, my staff's overbooked and I could have easily been overlooked. And so mm -hmm. for me, I, I just, I was that kid who was in the middle of the pack who got a full ride scholarship, who then went and got graduated honors at college. So like, I felt like there was a lot of kids who were in the middle, like I was that needed a reference and a framework to help them see like, Hey, just because you're not the top student today, doesn't mean you can't be a top student in college or a top person in the world. Yeah, I think that's that's really inspirational because you said there's a lot of folks that just assume by sophomore, junior, senior year of high school, it's like, well, I am what I am. So I guess I just got to stop. And so 100%. one of the things that I really like, and I, we're here today to talk about you know the organization you've built from scratch, the Student Success Agency. But before we get there, I, I, 
what's important to me about this book is that one, it's just bold at 20. It shows what kind of person you are. It's bold at 21 to try to write a book to help so many others. And I, I think in the book, you know, we've had a lot of authors on the show, but one of the things that I really appreciate about yours is we at Franklin Covey education, we use the tree metaphor a lot to talk mm -hmm. about how do you build roots. And so I really appreciated your tree metaphor of building, you know, passion as the roots. I think action was the base of the tree and then uh, satisfaction was building it out. Right. And yeah. so when you talk about building passion, you talk, one of the, one of the key areas that you address is helping students rekindle curiosity or develop curiosity. Yeah, I'm sure you've, it's been years since you've written the book, but I'm sure over the time you've, you've started to hone in better ways to develop and rekindle curiosity in kids. What are some of the most effective ways that we can do that? Because I think adults even struggle with curiosity today. Yeah, I am. Um... Yeah, this is a good question. And, and and it's thank you for like the you know, just reminiscing back on like the purpose of the book, you know, passion yeah. plus action equals satisfaction. This is the student accelerator model of the book. And, um, you know, one, I think regardless if you're if we're talking to kids or adults, passion, I think, is something that, you know, waking up with purpose. If we can have more humans wake up with purpose you know, more cool stuff could happen. You know, uh, the things that you and I don't have is because, you know, there wasn't enough people with purpose before us. And like the things people are going to have next is because people have person. So passion and just like waking up with meaning, it's such a blessing and a value for anyone like to be able to have that. Cause I think so many people search for that and especially students. And so rekindling curiosity is all about like, how do you help kids understand uh, and be more curious of this world that they don't know. Right. And, and a lot of kids that I work with and is students who don't have exposure, don't have, um, uh, awareness of how the world is. And so for me, um, I wasn't a big math guy as, as a, as a kid, but today I'm huge with numbers. And I actually think numbers make us curious. Like, I think like, I love asking kids, how much do you think the average American makes? Right. You will hear 20,000, a hundred thousand. And like, Oh, it's $67,000. Right. It's like, but yeah. like, if you like, and so it's just like those kind of things, uh, that I think like curiosity is like, Oh wow. Well, if that's, what it takes. And now their brain can start saying like, okay, well, I want to be at least average. Like, okay, well then let's, what do I do to make $67,000? What can I like? So it's just like, that's like, to me, um, such a basis of what I found new that I didn't write about in the book was like yep. numbers and exposing people to the data that they live in, you know, like as a kid, wow. you know what an A is, it's a 90, right? An A, but like, what's an A as an adult? Like, you don't know what's the top 10% of, of income in America. Most yeah. people have no idea, but like a kid knows what the top 10% of, if they're in the top 10% of their grade or class. But if for some reason, once we leave school, we stop getting kids to see all that. And so I just think that is a really big way to make school real to kids is by bringing real numbers that they're going to have to manage and deal with as they become adults. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you're a world renowned speaker, not just an author. And so one of the things that I've seen, you know, if anybody, I don't want people pause to go check out YouTube right now, but as they go learn more about you and see what you have out there, helping students ignite passion and purpose is something that it seems to be really good at. What are some keys as educators are listening to trying to ignite passion and purpose in their kids that you want to teach them, right? You want to help educators do a better job of with their kids. Yeah. I, you know, 
I, I always, you know, feel comfortable uh, speaking with students because I, I was one of them. And, and, and for me, as never actually being in the classroom or never leading the school, I'm always clear on any keynote or conference like um, this is, you know, I'm aware how hard it already is. And so, like, I, you know, not I'm someone who created luckily had the privilege to create this like concept and it worked and we're still trying to make it work. And so from that lens, I think uh, really what I learned about students is um, I'm, I'm most bullish on, 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 on kids who come from uh, bad, bad, like difficult backgrounds. I'm just, I believe that there are greatest kids and that narrative needs to change. Like the narrative needs to change that. Um, Cause what are, what are kids who struggle the most you know, they're the kids who are going to work 30 hours a week while still going to school. Like, yep. you know, like that's, that's you're, you're, you're a, a number, you're a top 1% kid if you're doing that. And, and that's kind of, for me, a lot of just like, how do we reframe and help kids feel empowered that they're doing good at school? Um, yep. Regardless if it looks like the way that the state or the district calls what, what being a good student is um, and helping them tell that kind of story and changing that narrative. And I think um, a lot of like, for me, what's been the hardest part is like, you know, I've created this company um, with no investor, no venture capital, no money, no donors, uh, no, nobody, just a, a kid with a PowerPoint knocking on, you know, going to principal's offices and saying, Hey, this is the idea. And it was an idea that came from something that didn't exist before. Like, right. It was, no one did it before. Now it's a thing. And it's just from an idea in someone's head. And I think like our kids have tons of ideas that sure the world may not work like that today, but like, they don't need to wait for permission to say, Hey, this doesn't, you know, why doesn't the world work like this? And I think the more that we help them find that and say, Hey, let's go after that. Uh, I think kids are more engaged in school uh, when that agency has given them to have the freedom to build and the freedom and, and their, and their educators and school leaders are giving them the permission uh, to, to, to lead the discussion uh, of, of, of school for themselves, for the community uh, and even just where the world's going to go. Well, I, I'm interested now that you, you kind of pivoted there already was the, the, the origin of the student success agency of how did you identify the problem? And again, knocking on doors uh, from school to school is fascinating to me. So tell me kind of how you built up to where you guys are now. Yeah. So, um, what, what, so student success agency, again, um, we provide digital support services and, and, and what we do is basically we work with school districts to get more time with kids. And obviously with the pandemic, uh, this conversation is on top of everyone's mind, but the origin of student success agency was very simple. You know, we were 22, 23 years old, um, really big in the mentoring, but like I was a college kid or I was a, a young professional and getting to a school at the right time and spending, you know, 30 minutes to get to the school, getting there. And then like mentoring a kid when the kid actually wants to go hang out with their friends. Like it's like the most worst time to mentor kids is at lunchtime when they actually want to go have fun. So it's like, and then it's like, so we like, man, it'd be cool if I just had, you know, this kid's phone number, you know, like we could like, yo, I'm here. If you need anything, we get on the phone. And that was the aha moment. It's like, how can we expand the care? Like, of, of, of services and mentoring and, um, and, 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 and do it around kids schedules and, and the mentors and the tutor schedule that makes more sense. And so that was like the basic, but now looking at like the, you know, what it's become, 
um, we're really helping schools expand that learning time, you know, as we're going through kind of a three tier pandemic right now. Oh, well, you know, we just experienced it, right? You had uh, mental health, academic loss and economic loss. Right. And so like now there's like these responses, right? You have the state responding, the federal government responding, the district responding. We need tutoring. We need mental health supports. We need uh, uh, mentoring, all this stuff. But the problem is class is still the same amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. class is already busy. I, you know, my biggest example of what it is to be a principal based off of the hundreds of schools I've walked in is they're really the traffic patrol cop at a school. Right. And so like what comes in, what comes out, like, you know, no, we're not doing it during this time. We're going to do it during this time. And like, you have all these organizations coming in and everybody's trying to do everything at the same, at the same day, at the same time. And so it's yeah. like, well, what if we actually did it outside of school when kids are available um, and not interrupt a school day. And so that was really the takeoff there uh, and how we build a student success agency. So when you first started, what was the pitch to, you know, the first principal or the first principal, your first client, I guess, uh, that got them really excited about this? Yeah, it was um, really, I think it was betting on, it was definitely, again, it's been doing this for 12 years, you know, 10 years, truly like, I guess like, okay, we're a business. I could do this. Uh, but, um, it was, it was a bet on ourselves. It was a bet on us, um, because of the mentoring piece, like people wanted to scale mentoring. Um, but now that we provide tutoring, we provide mental health supports, we provide all these different things. We're a truly a platform. Now back then we were more like a virtual mentoring program. So it was like, how do I get more people in, in kids' lives? And so we would recruit college kids to mentor students. And our big hook that I haven't really kind of brought up is um, we, we were student forward in the sense of it's called student success agency. So to the students, it's the first agency to represent students instead of celebrities and athletes. LeBron James has an agent. Drake has an agent. Why can every teenager have their own agent? So you change the narrative about asking for help because now a kid is like, oh, who are you talking to? I'm talking to my agent. Like I am not knocking on my counselor's door. I am literally texting from my phone, talking to my agent, like yeah. talking about repositioning value to low income kids. Right. I remember being a kid, low income kid who got a mentor and it, it means I, you know, I was the kid who got pulled away from my friends to like talk to this person, but now you just change it and made me feel like a, a million dollar billion dollar talent because now I have an agent. Right. Yes. So that was really the, 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 the cleverness of our mentoring program. But, um, now the, the technical side and the software and the data we provide schools through our platform is really, um, meant took us from a mentoring program to a, a technical platform that provides student support services anywhere, anytime. Yeah. As I looked at it, that's the part that stuck out to me the most. And I didn't want to be the person I've done it a couple of <laughs> times in interviews where I've said it first. So I was trying to get there, but I love the idea of, you know, we, we used to have a lot of mentoring organizations work in the schools that I worked in, which are all great organizations, but you just, you nailed it of kids like, Oh, okay. I've got my mentor. Cool. To, I have an agent. They're helping me get to where I want to go. That's, that's like, that's hot. That's like, that's, that's yeah, great right. to talk to and go back and do. Right. And so, um, what, as you guys have had impact, I mean, how, how have you guys grown? Where's the impact coming the most? How, um, what are districts most often coming to you to help them solve right now? Yeah. So right now to me, it's the expanded learning issue, right? My kids have been out of school for two years, year and a half. Um, we need more time. So I think it's time. Um, I think it's sustainability. Like how do I provide more support services? Um, yes, I might have a big, uh, 
some money today, but like, how do I sustain my efforts? And then I think the final thing is stability, right? Like just my kids need something constant. My staff needs something constant, something that's going to be there. And, and regardless, you know, I mean, you got kids today who are having to, you know, have a lot of substitute teachers uh, on a regular basis. You're having kids who aren't having constants at home. Um, so I think it's those three pieces because, you know, when you think of expanded learning, that means giving kids more time um, with school, but the class is still the same amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and you have to keep kids in class with, with their teachers. Um, you, we really have to get creative on how we provide that extra additional time. And, and for us at SSA, we now bring all the amazing things that schools do during the day to kids' cell phones and electronic devices. You need a tutor? Text your agent. You get a tutor right there. 8 p.m.? Cool. There you go. Saturday? Summertime? Like, oh, you know, an incident happened and 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 now something's happening. Like I and now what's powerful is that our best schools are going from, you know, here in Texas, you need to have your school open for 76,000 minutes. Yep. And our best schools are doing an additional 76,000 minutes of services outside of school. So wow. we're giving principals an entire school year for really the price of one person. You know, yep. the sustainability of what we're doing uh, it's just making really sense right now. So we've, we are growing, um, fast. We're, 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 it's, it's weird the kind of 10 year grind to get to this point, um, to be taken seriously. Cause it was always seen as an amenity and, but also think about talking to a superintendent in 19, you know, in 2014 and, and, um, saying, Oh yeah, we're going to pair your students with people you never met. And they're not getting background checked at your school district yeah. where they're just going to do it in their state or their, it's the concept was really, um, still, that was the biggest struggle. And, um, uh, I definitely believe I'm an educator first entrepreneur second, because I'm not that good of an entrepreneur. Cause this was not a good idea for a very, very <laughs> long time. I just really cared about it. And, and, and educators are the greatest carers of, uh, uh on the planet. So I'm definitely more educator than entrepreneur. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the parts that you talk about is just the growth of over 10 years, you know, you know, the idea is there. And at first, like you said, it might be a luxury item to school districts. And then you start realizing all the ways, not just the the mentor slash counseling agent part of it, but all the areas that, you know, if you're going to be a true agent that you can help out your students with that matter to the outcomes that districts are going for, then it becomes sort of a luxury to a must have. And so I guess that's where you guys have pivoted to finally. And I'm curious, what's the user experience like? If I, if my student is, uh, if my son is one of your uh, high school students, what, what's his experience going to be like? Yeah. So like today, um, Today, uh, it's through it's through SMS and it's through like just having a phone number. So like you, it's you know the way your dad, you know my dad has a phone number. You know my my best friends, like I get a phone number and I save it in my contact. You know agent yep. EJ, agent Mike, yep. and so you can call, you can text. Uh, the agent's proactive, reaching out to you. Hey, hey, what's good? How was that test? You gonna check it in? You need anything? Um, and then, um, but then we are now having a more mobile experience as, uh, as we get lower in grades, we started kind of in high school, but we're, we're really moving down to middle schools as well is now, you know, you have kids with Chromebooks, kids who may not have phones yet. So there are also, um, starting to be, um, software based experiences where for kids who don't have a phone number or, or, or that ability just yet. But the power there is really similar to like an Uber driver when the dr a driver calls you or things like that it's, 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 it's our phone numbers. And so all that data gets back to the school 
right? Yep. So like we have the ability, you know, if a kid says depression, anxiety, suicide, now we don't have the full conversation. Those are private to the kid and their mentor, their agent, yep. but we're able to alert you on um, data as a district about like what students are going through. And, and 90% of the safety cases we bring to schools, um, they're unaware about. Um, and, and we have some really powerful stories. I mean, from, I mean, um, uh, you know, a kid in Atlanta who was at a party and the party got, had got violent gunshots and he, and he was scared. He called his mom. The next person he called was as an agent and his agent got him a Uber ride home because his mom didn't answer. So the power of like, that's what student support services really are. Our kids yep. are safest during the class time. Like when they're in school, that's oftentimes the safest they'll ever be. So why would our entire student support service strategy only be for the daytime when they're in our school? Uh, and that is um, where I think it's going and why it's, it's been exciting for, for, the, for the user experience to be so holistic. So I love, so I love the personal aspect of this. Uh, like you just, the story in Atlanta, you just talked about, I love the, the, number of time you add to the support services of kids through this. Is there anything else that you found have been really sticky talking to principals and district officials about uh, the impact this works having on their district and their students? Yeah. So a, a lot of the data shows, right. I mean, even before student success agency doing virtual mentoring, the power of mentoring, we know how it increased grades, reduces uh, behavior issues, um, things like that. And and so data wise, you know, kids are matric you, you know, you're more likely to matriculate into school by having access to your agent. Um, and we have a lot of great third party research um, around how we're helping schools. Uh, but to me, where I think why we're helping schools, uh, I think they just see us as a partner to start thinking differently, right? Like this idea of like, man, we, we knew what after school programs were like, okay, like my kids go to like an after school program, but this idea of services and like digitizing my district, um, it's a big lift. And so like that partnership piece, because yep. it's not just helping your kids, it's helping your counselors, right? Your counselors have 500 kids in their cohort. Um, and now you're getting data from mentors who are spending, you know, hours with your students uh, that now that didn't, you, you couldn't get before, right? Like you didn't, like these agents are reporting kids' interests, kids' goals, kids, kids' passions. And now you're getting holistic data on kids that you really can't get from like one-off surveys, right? Because, um, you know, it's millions of text messages every year, right? Of real yep. conversations. And that is super powerful when you get to know your kids at that level, um, not just academically, but like emotionally. Uh, and then be able to help your counselors be able to do their job. I like to say counselors are the generals and, and our, and our agents are the foot soldiers who are like, we're, mm. we're, we're mining information for you. We're getting the information. And then you as the local expert can now say, Oh, I, I didn't know Ashley was interested in computer science. We actually have a, a, a STEM camp coming up at the local university, share this opportunity yep. with her. Right. But like what would have taken that counselor hours to pull off. Now you could just yep. delegate to the, to the agent. So it's, it's a, full district-wide support and continuity. I love that. So your agents work with the counselors in the school buildings generally? Yes. Is that the main point of contact? Yes. And so you help build their like own files of students there. Yeah. Where do your agents come from? Because I feel like as you scale, right, that scalability is always the toughest part, especially when it's mm. human independent. So how, how are you able to scale uh, with your agents across the country? 
Yeah. So we, we do a near peer mentoring approach. So that means you know, the kids are near an age and, and we've seen that if students are talking to someone near an age, the information is better received. Um, and so we use college students and young professionals. The average agent is 23 years old and like wow. talk about a great job. You get paid to text students yeah, <laughs> around your own schedule. You know, yeah. the prompt, like that, what's so powerful about that is like everyone cares about education. Everybody cares about kids and wants to make a difference. The challenge is as a mentor, getting to the school, signing in, finding parking, you know, getting out of my day. But now I could do that by just from my phone. Like I could check on a kid and say, Hey, how you doing? How was the class? Talk on the phone, get on zoom. Uh, it just, that is how we've been able to, I think scales, cause it's a really awesome job for young professionals. You know, kids yeah. are paying their, their rent, you know, through being an agent, like, um, you know, they're able to still travel and, and, and do that. And so, and, and again, we've been like this for, uh, a decade. So it's cool. It sounds normal now in the, in the pandemic, but, um, I think we were, it, it's just been that partnership with colleges, the Bill Gates foundation. I was a Bill Gates scholar. We have a lot of Bill Gates scholars, um, yep. and things like that. That's awesome. So what's one thing that you want? Cause right now I, I think oh, what I hear is it's, it's almost a tipping point where people understand that this is kind of a no brainer. Uh, yeah. we want all of our kids to have agents. So what's something as people are kind of trying to figure out why should I lean into the student success agency that you want people to really know and understand? Because I'm, I, I love it just because where your heart is, how you spent your whole career going after this. So I just, um, I just, I, I bet on people. And so I just love the work and the sweat that you put in for this, but as a superintendent who doesn't know you, hasn't looked into this or a school or principal who's like, all right, EJ sounds great. What is it that you want them to know to understand this is really a must have, not a nice to have. Yeah. And, and, and it just goes to, um, it really just goes to where's the world going and, and are what we're doing in school leading to where the world is going. And what are we investing in to get to help kids today? And yep. today kids are not just um, native people. They're digital people, you know, like they, they have lives outside your school and outside of your community that they're also building. And like, how do you build digital citizenship? How do you build, uh, you know, uh, capacity? And oftentimes the biggest struggles that we have is because of the physical structures of school has made it difficult in a much more malleable and transient world that is more flexible. And I think if we're not investing in how do we build um, more user experiences in our schools to be more flexible, agile, um, it's, it, it's the future of what we're doing is, 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 is scary. Like I just, and in the sense of like, yeah. if you don't change and, and, and I think as more and more people, you know, have kids who are used to working from home and, you know, Airbnb. And if my kid is gonna, you know, we're going to travel out for a month, like flexibility and that fluidness has to start coming and we got to stop creating system centered support. And we have to start creating student centered support. The only reason why this can't exist in people's schools today, because we operated off the system working. And now the system is becoming democratized where it's, you know, the kid's phone. I'm now in charge of what I want. 
Um, and, 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 and unfortunately, uh, you know, that's the same, what we saw a big success in a lot of principals and superintendents always parent nights virtually. Right. And what was th that's the, the greatest idea that came out of the pandemic was virtual parent nights, which is good, but it shows you how you don't need to be a rocket scientist. It's just quick creating system centered approaches. That was a user centered approach. Oh, yep. parents are busy. They can't come to the school as much as I would love it to be in the school. Hey, it fits for the set. And I think that's so where we need to go. And that's kind of where I think um, we're helping schools. And uh, again, I appreciate you seeing my passion. I, I believe um, I'm doing something that's decades instead of days. Like I think when I die and, and our, and, and my fight and our team's fight is, you know, every kid will have support anywhere, anytime from the pump. Well, maybe not even the palm of their hand at that point, but the idea of that is like, that's how, regardless of your zip code, regardless of who's your parents, like where you're born, like if, if SSA could provide that to the world, um, I think we're that like we're helping districts win when everyone wants to, I feel like beat them up. Like we're, we're not like Uber who's trying to like, they, they, they said no taxis, right? Yep. Netflix said no blockbuster. Like we're like, no, we're, I believe in the power of public schools. I believe in the power of, of kids going to, uh, to go into schools in their community. Uh, and I believe that our team is one of the very few things out there that are fighting for districts to win in a way that um, we're not adapting quickly enough to do so. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's powerful. And before we end today, I'll, I'll make sure that everybody knows uh, from you where to go to find out more and to, to log in. I, I really enjoyed, you know, you've got a series of videos on the website that just show different takes of like how impactful the uh, support has been. And so I feel like anybody can go there really quickly and learn, but, uh, yeah, there's a number of ways they can follow. So before we get there, I just want to ask you the last few quick questions. Uh, we close out every interview the same way. What habit or discipline do you use on a regular basis daily or weekly to set yourself up to be the best version of yourself? I am a avid, um, reader of the news and, um, and, uh, something I think we need to be teaching all kids there's a difference between media and journalism and the world doesn't know the difference. And we need to be teaching the kids the same way we teach them how to eat healthy food for their body. We need to teach them how to find proper information for their mind. Um, mm. So that is, that is, that is where I would say the biggest habit that has changed uh, my life. So do you try to read um, a mentor or a guy that I love to look up to uh, Jeffrey Canada? We had on a long time ago and we asked him the same thing and he just reads, reads and reads and reads and he reads like two or three different newspapers. And yeah. so do you try to get two or di three different sources? What's your, what's your secret to finding out uh, to sift through today's media? Yeah. So um, unfortunately today, quality journalism um, is something you, you pay for the same way you go to whole foods and you pay expensive groceries and you can get one bag. Yep. And so, um, AP journalism is true. That means the, the you know, journalism mean uh, AP journalism is a structure of journalism where they can't be emotional in their writing, yep. uh, and their bias and the top people who do that is rotors and AP news. That's like at a basic level, but then, um, as well as I'm a big advocate of the wall street journal, financial times, New York times, any Washington, I, I get an array. I, 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 my, my fee monthly for news is, is not, but I believe some people pay for coaches. Some people pay for seminars. I, I just believe like I'm trying to change the world 
and going back to data, my curiosity, the more and more of this data that I get that allows me to see where the world actually is, allows me to be a better on the decisions I'm making um, rather than living through my own perspective. And that's why I just think it's so huge for kids to understand and get our kids to start talking about journalism uh, mm -hmm. rather than media, because that's two different things. So on if it's same, free, it's probably bad, unfortunately, yeah. besides AP and rotors. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'll say my wife always wonders why I'm spending so much money on the economist, but uh, oh, that's, that's another great one. Every Thursday <laughs> it comes out. That's, that's and they, what's a powerful about the economist. It, they don't show the byline. And like, I think that's super powerful. Like if you, yes. as a writer, we don't even know who you are. And so you're able to like be a little bit more risky if you want to, or you could change and like there's no attacking you can't tax someone who you don't know who it is i love how the economist does their media yeah and they break it down on both sides i feel like it's just uh it's pretty unbiased but it's also i mean it's a my wife doesn't enjoy it quite as much as i do but it's a it's a hard read but i, I like how they break the the news down for sure yeah you should get the app if you don't have it they do an audio version they read it to you and the ah. people who read it is just amazing so um noted appreciate it all right so next one uh what book or books have you either read recently or throughout your life that you think other people should check out? Um, books that uh, that's tough. I would say um, anything I, right now, what I'm reading is, uh, Oh, I, I got this one. This would be the whiteness of wealth. Uh, okay. The whiteness of wealth by I think Dorothy Brown. Um, I think that's her name. It really is a good, was a good one for me uh, recently. And it's just basically uh you know, talking about wealth and like, how does, and, and when you serve as black and brown kids and you are, uh, you know, becoming a first generation wealth builder, I think like as a first generation college kid, there was a lot of resources for that, but no one taught te is teaching me how to be a first generation wealth builder. Like it's mm. like, I, I'm navigating as someone who now has employees and, and money and, and like, you know, things it's, and so that the whiteness of wealth is teaching me like what I need to be aware of and the bias of the system uh, and the compound interests of wealth that's ahead of you. And you just learn a lot of crazy data going back to data that is allowing me to navigate my life. Got it. Um, all right. Whiteness of wealth. I appreciate it. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I tried to follow you on Instagram. So you had like a vinyl night. I don't know exactly what that means, but I hope this next question is right up your alley then, which is you guys are really good, playlist? by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what's on your playlist? Like whether you're just chilling or it could be when you're working out, whenever you want, like what's on your playlist? Yeah. So, so vinyl night was basically, I brought my vinyl collection to a hotel bar and played my collection. So, um, awesome. and people came, um, <laughs> but, um, my, my vinyl collection is usually a lot of, uh, R and B soul, um, anywhere from, I, like at the vinyl night, I played anything from cool in the gang and earth, wind and fire all the way to like, uh, Rory and, uh, snow Allegra and like this, the newer wave, like yeah, R and B. Yeah. So it's just, um, that's kind of my, uh, wave, uh, of music. R and B you'd be shocked, but R and B is easily my favorite genre of music. So I guess my question for you, what, what's your all time favorite group or one of your top favorite groups in the R and B genre, like that you like to listen Ooh. to or that like. Man, I, I would, I would jagged edge. Like, man, I would, I was like, <laughs> I played some jagged edge at the vinyl had that is going to, um, that, yeah. So yeah, that maybe that's what, what comes to mind. I, I played jagged edge at the vinyl night. Yeah. I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but, uh, when I was in college, one twelve came oh, yeah. to like, uh, 
our inauguration day and it was like my favorite day ever i think i was one of the few people on smu's campus that was super pumped about it but uh 112 oh, yeah. uh jagged edge and boys to men which are all you know different yeah. eras kind of but uh those were definitely my favorite so when you say r&b i get excited oh yeah 100 it sounds like you like my vinyl collection if you're ever in fort worth and i'm doing vinyl night you should come you know all it right. seems like we would we would riff yeah. And like I said, I've got some friends down there that I think you need to connect with because I think yes. you guys are on the same page. But uh, last question, you're around thought leaders all the time. One question I just love to ask everybody is what piece of either leadership or change advice, like so life change advice, have you come across recently or is just stuck in your head that you think everybody needs to hear? Here, here, this is a book that probably would have been a better reference for the listeners of, of this pod, but it's uh, Christopher Lockhead. Um, and it, and the book, I believe I have it here. It is called play bigger and it's about a concept called category design and basically making new categories of industries, right? Like, um, like the iPhone was a category that didn't exist before, right? Like, um, yep. like smartphones, tablets, these are industries that didn't exist. And, and why, why I think the book is good from a business perspective uh, is diff is good, but why I think it's good from a human perspective and world changing perspective, if you want to make a difference, we have taken category design and in our company called it legacy design, which is ultimately they're trying to create categories of businesses, but legacy design to me is like, how do you work on things that when you are no longer here are still leaving your legacy, not by people remembering your name, but it's because of the things you worked on, right? Nobody knows who invented the stoplight, but yep. you and I still operate on that person's legacy design, right? We don't know who invented the toilet. We don't know who invented these things, but our lives are all better because of these people. And they may not be alive, but the, the things they worked on has now lived on for in a way of really still living. Uh, and I think that um, by Christopher Lockhead category design has sparked our entire company. And I know Chris relatively well, but he's also a podcaster, but I'm going to pitch to him to one day write a book for about turn that business knowledge into student knowledge around legacy mm -hmm. design and teaching kids to be legacy designers, working on things that, you know, are going to change the designs of the world. Yeah. That speaks to my heart a lot because I feel like career career path i mean it gets you only so far legacy constantly keeps you working and thinking about what's in front of you right so right, like no matter yeah. what age you are you're building towards that so that that gives me goosebumps i appreciate it so i mean i one i thank you so much for taking your time today two how can the listeners find more about your organization and hopefully get involved with your organization to start partnering with their students yeah. So studentsuccessagency.com is the, the best place to set up. Uh, and that is where you can talk to our team and uh, see all the cool things other school districts are doing to reimagine student support services in a digital world. The time is now expanded learning is here and our best idea can't be let's add another math class like that. Th th we, we can do better than that. So um, if you want to do better than that, that's where you can find us. As a former math teacher, I second that uh, <laughs> it cannot be. Let's just have another math class. I'm actually really excited about what you guys are doing, and I wish you all the best. Thanks for making time for us today. Thank you. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.